Blog Talk Radio. Goodness, I keep hitting these buttons. Let's try one more time. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word, Worship, and Witness. Ministries, and we are live with the Word on Wednesday. Um, just getting situated again here. Um, once again, uh, experiencing a few technical problems, uh, but that's what you get when you're messing around with these live shows and you're doing stuff electronically and all that kind of good stuff. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to complain, just going to get right to it. Um, tonight we begin part two of um, our series, and we're in Acts chapter ten. And what we're do, uh, the title of part two is "Whosoever will, let them come." Uh, we finished uh, Acts chapter nine last week, and we've just got an exciting time planned for you today. Uh, we're going to have to watch this clock a little bit because. Again, uh, we want to be 30 minutes, and right now it is 7.03, so about 7.35, uh, we're going to uh, be signing off. But for the next 32, 33 minutes, I'm borrowing a couple already, uh, you can expect to hear the word of God. Amen? So let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to go forward. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. 
God, we bless you and we praise you. We give you the glory. We magnify your name. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. Tonight, oh God, as we come before you, we come seeking your face, your presence, your word, your fellowship. Oh God, be pleased to dwell among us as we as we go into your word. But just don't be pleased to dwell with us. Speak with us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Lead us and guide us. Oh, we thank you for the Holy Spirit and how he's always with us and how he is always leading us into truth. We bless you for your son, Jesus, who makes this all possible. And we thank you, God, that it was always your plan to draw us back unto you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Acts chapter 10, and we just want to dig right into it. Um, The title of uh, the next eight or nine weeks is Whosoever Will, Let Him Come. Remember the first part we dealt with the complications and of, of the church within the church we dealt with the birth of the church uh, and so now we're going to continue with the spread how the gospel is being spread and how uh, literally God is opening up his arms to reclaim and redeem all mankind um, it this is so exciting because you know, early as I began to study, I began to see how uh, racism and sexism and 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 and, and classism are so anti-God. Uh, how they are so uh, anti-Christian, and I'm seeing the performance of people who call themselves Christians. And I'm not just talking about evangelicals, and I'm not just talking about um, uh, uh, um, certain certain denominations, but I'm talking about people who call themselves Christians and who actually practice, actively practice discrimination and racism and sexism and you know, uh, and classism, and think that they're better than somebody, and that they, you know, and and that they've got this great connection to God. And one of the things that I'm going to say is that that behavior is so ungodly. And tonight we're going to see some things about what God is saying and how it doesn't, you, the the actions don't flow with the plan of God and how the church in its entirety and anybody who is, who can actually stand the conviction of God should be repenting. If you can, if you, you know, because sometimes when the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin um, or shows us something that we're doing, uh, we can't take it. And so we go into denial. But if you can actually look in the mirror as the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you tonight and you see 
where you are making an error, I'm going to encourage you just like I have to encourage myself. Um, I'm going to encourage you to lay that thing before God because God is not pleased with it. It does not comport with his plan, and it definitely doesn't comport with his plan for your life. And so I really, I, I really want us to just open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and let God speak to you tonight. Okay, so let's go right into Acts chapter 10. I won't transition from chapter 9. We spent a lot of time doing that last week and, you know, summarizing things. And so there is, um, I put the last week's lesson out on the YouTube channel. If you want to review the YouTube channel, go out and review it and 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 um and go out and review the YouTube channel and make sure that uh uh you get caught up in that way. I want to start reading at Acts chapter 10 and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. That's Acts chapter 10 verse 1. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So in Acts chapter 10, the first, the first thing that we do see is a centurion. And they say he's a centurion uh, of the Italian cohort, and he's in Caesarea. Now, there's a lot of information just packed in that little bit right there. Because a centurion is over 100 soldiers, and it, I believe it's like uh, – and and 100 are part of a cohort of, I believe it's 600 soldiers. And it says that he is a, in a particular place. He's in Caesarea. And Caesarea is, is on the seacoast. It's about 70 miles, I believe, east of Jerusalem. It's kind of like in the old Philistine territory but it's a seaport. And what's really important about Caesarea, it is an important seat of government. As a matter of fact, it's where the, um, the Roman prefect lived. Now, in order to make you understand what a prefect is, a prefect is like a governor. So just like Pontius Pilate was over uh, Jerusalem and Judea in that area, well, this is the governor. This is the place of uh, Roman government where they house a governor. Uh, and this particular cohort, we believe, is part of a special group of soldiers who 
could have, and I'm just saying could have, we know that they're on some kind of special assignment, but they could have been attached directly to the Roman prefect. In any event, he is a centurion, and he's a Roman soldier. And even more than that, he is a Gentile. And here is a Gentile who he's a particular type of Gentile. He's a God-fearer. And when we look at him, what we see is uh, um, an individual who is almost but not not yet. He's that type of person. Um, he has just about embraced Judaism, but not all the way. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, he is practicing some of the tenets of Judaism, and our text tells us that, number one, that he is a praying man, and the, he is praying to the God of the Hebrews. He is praying to the God of the Jews, and his faith is, and his hope is in that God, not the Roman gods. He is a devout man, it says. And so that's one thing. He's a Gentile. He believes in God. And not only does he believe in God, but he practices two of the four things that are necessary to become a proselyte. And that is, one, he's a practicing prayer. Two, he gives alms. Now, the things that he's missing is, number one, circumcision. He's missing that. And then the other thing that he's missing is he has not been baptized because to enter into the, Jew, the Judaism, you had to uh, undergo circumcision and you also had to be baptized. And he hasn't gotten that far yet, but he has a faith in God. And during the ninth hour, this is the the um, uh, the hour of sacrifice. By the way, while the, while the Jews are sacrificing, he's praying and. As he prays, an angel of the Lord comes to him, and he says, your prayers have been heard. And he says, and your alms, your prayers and your alms have gone up, and they've been acceptable unto God. Now, you got, you got to get this part. They come up as a memorial, and God has heard your prayers, and he wants you to sin for Simon. Now, I want, I want, I want, I'm going to make a point about that in a minute. I want you to send for Simon. The angel appears and tells him, send for Simon, who is at, or Simon Peter, who is at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. And Joppa is about 24 miles, no, it's actually it's about 30 miles away from Caesarea. And it, too, sits along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, so let's go to uh, uh, verse 9. While all of this is going on, while he, while he explains to the soldier that he sends what he has seen and, and sends them down to Peter, and it probably takes them about a day to get down there. Um, one of the things that I learned in researching this passage is that it, um, a Roman soldier has been trained to, with a pack on his back to move about 24 miles in about five hours. So if he's got all of his equipment, his sword, his spear, all of the, the paraphernalia, he can get 
he can move uh, that 24 miles in five hours. So they have an evening, to, uh, a whole day to get down there to get to, to Joppa. Okay, verse 9. And remember all the things that I just told you, okay, because I'm going to tie it all together. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descended, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter says, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered, and he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why have you sent for me? Let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. Okay, the first thing that we want to look at is we want to look at the vision that Peter saw when there was a, from heaven there was something like a sheet that descended down from heaven onto the four corners of the earth, and 
it was filled with all kinds of animals and reptiles. And Peter was commanded, a voice said to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's response was, I don't, I don't, I don't eat unclean stuff. Let's take a look at this, this concept of clean and unclean first. Well, first of all, you know back in Leviticus that there were animals that were classified as clean and unclean. And I'm going to just look at my notes real quick because I, I don't want to take you over into Leviticus because it's, 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 it's all over the place. I think it's from Le- Le- Leviticus 11 all the way through 16. You get into the clean and unclean thing. And clean animals are those who are who have are cloven who have cloven hooves and chew the cud. And so, an animal that is considered clean would be like a sheep or a goat or a pig. Oh, excuse me, not a pig, but a cow. An animal that is unclean. And I'm thinking about the pigs because you know I eat pork. An animal that's considered to be unclean is a pig or a dog or a cat or a rodent. Uh, Another unclean animal is reptiles. Then when you get into the unclean animals, the unclean animals, you didn't have anything to do with it. You couldn't, you shouldn't consume them at all. And so, you know, we constantly have people that are talking about, I don't mess with no pork and, you know, I don't eat no pork. And, you know, I know about the, um, the pork you know, too much pork can be unhealthy, but I'm so glad that we are not under the law when it comes to eating because, boy, I tell some barbecue up, and don't you let them be rib tips. I'm going to get them tips, so help me, Jesus, and I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to break them, and, you know, uh, you know. okay, so you understand what I'm saying. But anyway, there, and while you're laughing at me, you know, there's some, there's some, in terms of fish, the fish of the sea, the only fish that we are supposed to eat are fish that have scales on them. So while y'all laughing at me about me liking that pork, all you people that like lobster and shrimp and crab and shellfish, that's unclean too. So now, when the next time you're talking about me, and and I see you up there getting them shrimp, you know, or, or or going all those places where they got all that good seafood that, you know, eating that crawfish, you know, and all of that stuff. That's unclean according to the scripture. Um, and then when you get into bug, you get into to birds, vultures, buzzards, hawks, seagulls, uh, insects. Almost all insects are considered unclean, except those who have a hinged leg and hop. So grasshoppers and locusts are considered clean, and you can eat them. I'm not volunteering for that. But anyway, if you ever get in a situation where you're out in the desert or you guys that are in the, uh, in the military and, you know, you're out there and you get lost behind enemy lines and you're looking for something kosher to eat, go eat a grasshopper or a locust. But that, those because they're clean. But the purpose is that um, that to show that that these are the these are the things that that God said 
it's all right to eat, and then this other class, the unclean, are things that God said, no, don't eat those. And why he said do it, uh, you know, there's a lot of theories that go around. One of them is, is that a lot of these things are scavengers, like a pig is a scavenger. Um, that that uh, and it's a pig will eat garbage. Um, that some of the uh, uh, like the shrimp and all of those things they eat they're they're designed to take um, garbage out of the ocean, and so they eat some things that are unhealthy. And you are what you eat. That's one of the theories. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just reporting what the Bible tells us. You know, because I'm like. I already got the vision that God gave Peter to rise, slay, and eat. So, you know, if it's there and it's not moving too fast, I'm probably going to stick a fork in it. And that's my humor for the night. Anyway, but in addition to that, there were laws concerning uh, ritual cleanness. And I want to kind of focus in a little bit there because what there were things that, or excuse me, cleanliness, Ritual cleanliness was the criteria utilized in how we approach God for worship. And so there, Peter, being a Jew, is concerned about what he comes into contact with and what makes him unclean. Now, he's got the mindset of a Jew. Because there were certain people that you didn't come in contact with because you would be considered unclean. There were certain places that you didn't go because those places were considered unclean and it hindered your relationship with God because those who are considered unclean had to stay outside of the camp, could not go into the temple, could not enter into the presence of God. Women during certain times of the month were considered unclean. Men who had had sexual relationships uh, uh, after having a sexual relationship even with his wife. He was considered unclean. So you had all of these laws, these laws that said things were unclean and that actions, um, uh, there were certain actions that you, would ta- that you could take and, and it would make you unclean. And Peter is steeped in the law. And now along comes God and he says, and God says to him, don't you uh, call anything thing unclean or common that I have called clean. And Peter's perplexed because he's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm following the law. And the message of God is simple. No, you're not under the law. Let me just show you a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to have to quit for the night because I'm looking and I'm almost at, at my 30 minutes. And that, that's fine because all we're doing is sitting up. But let me just show you something. Because cleanliness now is based upon your response to the word of God. Cleanliness, God has called Cornelius clean based upon his response to God. 
he has heard, he has, God has been revealed to him, and his response is to open up his heart and to do what he knows to do concerning worshiping God. Where do you get that from, and how do you, how do you get that? Because now the rule is, God calls clean according to your uh, the, your response to His word. Look at uh, John thirteen, John chapter thirteen, verse ten. Real quick, because I'm all I'm gonna have to wrap it up. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a couple extra minutes, but I'm just just a couple, and then we'll we'll pick up next week. John chapter thirteen, verse ten. It says, and this was when, just, just quickly so I don't have to read a whole bunch of it. This is when uh, at, the, at, the, at the Last Supper where Jesus is getting ready to wash Peter's feet. And Peter says, no, you ain't washing my feet. And then he says, well, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, he says, if I don't wash you, you'll have no part of me. And then he says, well, not, my, not just my feet, but my head also. Look, he says, Jesus said to him, John 13, 10, it says, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And then, he, But not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, go, to, go over to John 15.3 real quick. 15.3. Why is he calling them clean? Look, he says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now go to Ephesians 5.26, and then I'm going to put, put a cap on it real quick after this. One explanation, and then Ephesians 5.26 is what I want. Come on, stick pages. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. You see, when God sends his word to us and we receive it, that's how we are counted as clean. The transformative power of of the word changes us and removes us from the areas of uncleanliness to clean because we have embraced the word. What we see in Cornelius is a man who embraces the word and God declares him to be clean. And what God is teaching Peter is it is not the ritual that you go through, it is not what you avoid eating, it is not the places that you avoid going, it is not the customs that you follow, the, the hand washings and all of that kind of stuff. Because Jesus basically told them when they complained about the disciples not washing his hands, he, what did he say? He says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of him, it is the condition of his heart. And that 
will tell you whether that man is clean or not. So they were worried about externalities, but now God is saying to them, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. You don't judge a person's cleanliness or your cleanliness or your, and when we talk about cleanliness, your ability to stand before the Lord in worship and come into his presence based upon what you ate or what you didn't eat, who you came into contact with or where you went or where you didn't go. That has nothing to do with it. It is your response to the word of God. Judas's response to the word of God was to be a sellout and love money and love the things of the world more than he loved God. And so Jesus declared him in John 13 to be unclean. So now, let me just wrap this up because I'm, I'm three minutes over my time. I said about 35. So what we have here is the gospel advancing to a Gentile, a Roman, who is supposedly the enemies of God because of their occupation to the Jews. What we have is that and the word going forward to them and Cornelius receiving the word and being declared clean acceptable into the presence of God, and Peter learning and seeing a paradigm shift in God, as, as God shows him, this is how I view clean and unclean. We'll pick up the next week um, with, the, with, the, with the rest of this, and then I'll tie the introduction of, of racism and all of that kind of stuff and show you how this all um, folds into God's plan and how what Jesus has done is he has basically torn down not only the wall that is between man and God, but he has torn down the walls that exist between uh, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, and made us all one in Christ Jesus. And the implications of this for us today and how far off we are as Christians and as, church and as the body of Christ and displaying the love of God and when we, because of our racist, sexist, classist behavior. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you for the time that we have tonight to, to just read your word and to come together as a Christian community and share with one another and to be led by your spirit. Oh, God, we come right now uh, and we have to confess that we've said the same thing that Peter said. There are places that I don't go. There are things that I don't do. There are people that I don't associate with because I don't think that they're clean. But your word says, God, that it's not based on the outward behaviors of individuals, 
but instead it's the inward condition of their hearts as they respond to your word. And we recognize that there are people out there that love you, that pray daily, but they're not members of our church. They don't, they don't, uh, haven't been baptized. They don't wear the, the label of Christian like we'd wear it. And because they don't do that, we have said that there's something wrong with them. And we've classified them as unclean. And in reality, God, you said that they're clean and that you want us to open up our arms and welcome them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we repent of that tonight and we ask that you would teach us how to be more of a part of your plan and how we can, can share and expand the kingdom by delivering your word and by seeing things as you see them. Oh, bless us tonight with better vision. Bless us tonight with better hearing. Bless us tonight with a faith that is always responsive to your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, um, again, I would encourage you to join us next week. Uh, I'm not taking next Wednesday night off. Um, we're going to... We, I'll probably take the following Wednesday, but not next Wednesday, because I want to get us through Chapter 9. The other thing that I want to be able to do is um, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to really, really get into the Word of God. Get into. I, I'm doing a series, um, uh, and I do it daily, appointment with, uh, daily appointments with the Lord. And we're in an Exodus series. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm having so much fun reading through and, and posting the videos every day, uh, the devotional videos. I'm just having the time of my life because I see and I'm reminded that God is not just a God of all comfort, but he reveals himself as, I am what I will be. He reveals himself to us in Exodus, in a new and powerful way as Adonai. He reveals himself as the one and only true God. And we're at the part now where, I mean, God is laying some licks on Pharaoh, and he is, he, he's got one purpose in mind. He says, he says, that they may know that I am the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we get into situations at work and at home and in our lives where where we don't see God as the, as the God of miracles and we don't see him in all of his power. And we kind of just don't expect him to show up. Well, this Exodus series that I'm in right now, I'm telling you, God shows up and he's showing out. I mean, today it was the gnats, the frogs, and the flies. And oh, my goodness. So I want you to join us on that. You can, you can grab us on YouTube. Um, I post it on Facebook Live. And you just read along with us and get into the word and get into the worship of God so God can be glorified in your life and you can be strengthened. 
Amen. Hey, that's it for me tonight. I've gone more than a few minutes over. I pray that you've had a wonderful evening in the Lord and that you will be blessed. That's it for me. You've been with Pastor Winfred Burns with the Word on Wednesday. See you next week. God bless.